Amen. I'll say it again, it's great to be in the Lord's house, amen. Amen. You may be seated this morning. Pray that you had a great holiday week. I pray that if you committed the sin of gluttony that you'll be first in the altar this morning. If you haven't already repented to make sure everything between your stomach and the Lord is good. Amen. Aren't you thankful that God knows exactly where you are? I was driving home Wednesday evening. Drew and I was, and we were on I-20. And I had put my blinker on to go into the passing lane to pass a vehicle in front of me, and I had plenty of room to do so. And the child of God that was driving the vehicle in the other lane decided they did not want me to pass them or merge over in front of them. And after I had already started merging, they decided to pretend like they were Dale Earnhardt and punch the accelerator and pass me in pit row, otherwise known as the median. It could have been disastrous. But the hand of God, the eye of God was upon us. I didn't know I could become so tense. I did not understand exactly how drawn up I could become. All I could see was a side swiping of my truck or that car and who knows what would have happened. But the all-seeing eye of God is watching out for us and protecting us even when we don't see it, even when we don't understand it. And I can tell you stories like that in my life, and I bet if we took the time that you could tell me stories like that of how God has watched over you when you didn't even realize it. And I'm thankful today for the protection of God. We drove through some heavy rain coming home. My wife and girls did, but we all made it home safely, and we're glad to be home and in the house of the Lord with you today. Amen. If you have your Bibles this morning, turn with me to the book of Acts, the 28th chapter. And While you're turning there, let me just say it is so good to see a host of visitors in the house with us today. Amen. Amen. Let them know we're thankful that they're worshiping with us today. And I would say this, if you're in search of a home church, you don't need to look any further. You just found the best one. Amen. Might be a little partial. It's all right. Acts chapter 28. I want to begin reading in verse number 1. Before I read that, I want to say this. This is just a little promo for next week. I'm going to preach a message next week titled, Unwrapping the Gift. It will be an illustrated message. I want you to make plans to be here. I want you to invite somebody to come with you. I want you to bring somebody to the Lord's house. And I believe the 
It's going to help somebody and touch somebody. Unwrapping the gift. But I have an assignment before we get to that sermon. I could preach it right now. Acts chapter 28, begin reading in verse number 1. The Bible says, When they had been brought safely through, then we found out that the island was called Malta. I think the King James says Melita, but it's actually Malta. One of the same, interchangeable names. Verse 2, The natives showed us extraordinary kindness. For because of the rain that had set in, and because of the cold, they kindled a fire and received us all. But when Paul had gathered a bundle of sticks and laid them on the fire, a viper came out because of the heat and fastened itself on his hand. When the natives saw the creature hanging from his hand, they began saying one to another, Undoubtedly, this man is a murderer, and though he has been saved from the sea, justice has not allowed him to live. However, he shook the creature off into the fire and suffered no harm. But they were expecting that he was about to swell up or suddenly fall down dead. But after they had waited a long time, and had seen nothing unusual happen to him, they changed their minds, and began to say that he was a God. Let's pray. Father, Lord, I thank you for your word today, and I thank you for your spirit, your power, your presence, and your anointing. And Father, I ask you today, God, to anoint these lips of clay to minister your word to your people. God, I pray that you anoint every ear to hear and every heart to receive from your word today. Father, I pray that nothing today, God, that proceeds out of my mouth, God, would be anything except that which has been authored and anointed by you. Hide me behind the cross today, Father. God, I pray that you would anoint every ear to hear and every heart to receive from your word today. Father, I bind every hindering spirit in the name of Jesus. I bind every spirit of distraction in the name of Jesus that would try to hinder or stop you from moving in this place. And Father, I just ask you today, God, to loose the Holy Ghost and the fire upon us today. God, may we leave this house changed and different for the glory and the kingdom of God. And Father, we give you the praise and the glory for everything that's done. In Jesus' name we pray. And the church said, Amen. You may be seated this morning. But take a little bit of time, a short amount of time, to lay some foundation for where we're going this morning. I think it's safe for us to say that Paul was not a stranger to challenges. Paul, that we've also known as Saul in the Scripture prior to Acts 13, was a man who was seeking to persecute Christians and the church. And he was one who was in agreement with the stoning death of Stephen. One day Saul had sought letters permitting him to bind up any who were found in the way of the Christian church to Jerusalem. It was on that day and completely unexpected to Saul that he would have an encounter with God, the God of the church. It was while Paul or Saul was traveling on the Damascus road that suddenly, this was a Kairos moment, 
The Greek word for suddenly is kairos, which means just abruptly, at a moment's notice. Suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him, and he had a life-altering encounter with God on the road to Damascus. Saul left that experience, the Bible says, blind for three days and neither ate or drank. Upon his arrival in Damascus, Saul met uh, <clears throat> Saul met a disciple named Ananias who had laid hands on him and referred to him as Brother Saul. Ananias told Saul that he was sent by Jesus, the same one who appeared to you on the Damascus road, to lay hands on him so that he would regain his sight and be filled with the Holy Ghost. The Bible says that immediately the scales fell from his eyes and regained his sight. The Bible says that he got up, he was baptized, he ate and was strengthened. It was after this experience that the Bible says he immediately began to proclaim Jesus. In Acts 13, 9, the Bible tells us that Saul is also known as Paul. Here in our text today, we find that Paul is aboard a ship en route to Rome when they become shipwrecked. If you would read the entire account of this story, you would see that God most definitely kept His protective hand upon Paul. While many aboard the ship were concerned about their safety and their life, having been a long time without food, Paul told them this. He said, Men, you ought to have followed my advice and not have set sail from Crete and incurred this damage and loss. Yet now I urge you to keep up your courage. I remember in the Old Testament a time when the Bible says that David had to encourage himself in the Lord. He was encouraging them to keep up their courage. Why? He said, there will be no loss of life among you, but only the ship. For this very night an angel of God to whom I belong and whom I serve has stood before me saying, Do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand before Caesar and behold, God has granted you all those who are sailing with you. Sometimes the people with you are going to be okay because they are with you. They may not have the faith, but because you got the faith, you're going to be okay. They're going to be okay. Keep up your courage, men. I believe God is going to turn this thing out exactly as I've been told. I can hear Paul saying it now. But we must run aground on a certain island. So we find ourselves in the middle of this story here in Paul with Paul and they are now safely on the island of Malta. The native or barbarous people which refers to them being foreigners showed them kindness because of the rain and the cold and they, they, they started a fire and received them all. Now listen, here is where the story gets very interesting. Paul has gathered some sticks to lay them on the fire. Some surmise that there were approximately 270 or so people gathered in this story or at this setting. Perhaps this was the number of, 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 of all the people there. There were some who were more suited to gather sticks in that number for the fire. 
I don't know who started the fire, but maybe there were some people there. You know, when we host an event here, I will usually have people connected to the church here to see about some housekeeping duties while the state are here uh, and hosting an event like we did for the minister's meeting. So perhaps there were some other people there that could have gathered some sticks and laid them on the fire. But I believe it's significant here as to why Paul gathered some sticks to put them on the fire. I believe it represented Paul's heart of servanthood. That Paul would gather the sticks and lay them on the fire. His heart of being a servant was evident. Let's dive into the middle of the story and see what happens. Look at verse 3 of Acts 28. But when Paul had gathered a bundle of sticks and laid them on the fire, a viper came out because of the heat and fastened itself on his hand. When I, when I read verse 3, this is the first thing that jumps out to me. Getting closer to the fire will attract the attention of the enemy. Now if you want to stay lukewarm and think you're alright, You'll be, you'll, you'll be all right in the eyes of the enemy. Hello, somebody. But getting close to the fire always attracts the attention of the enemy. The more you strive to get closer to God, the enemy will do everything within his power to try to discourage you and pull you further away. Can I just pause and just give you a news flash right now? The devil ain't worried about the people in the world. He already got them. He worried about you. And he worried about me. He better be worried about me. Oh, what you laughing about? It ain't me you need to be worried about. I know I look like I probably couldn't whip my way out of a wet paper sack. But it's the unseen host you better be worried about. Hello, somebody. It's that elder brother I've got that you better be worried about. But the more you strive to get closer to God, the more the enemy will do everything within his power to discourage you and pull you further away. The enemy fears a child of God full of the fire of the Holy Ghost because we become a threat to the kingdom of darkness. We need more people who are full of the fire of the Holy Ghost that are striving to pull others out of the clutches of the enemy and out of the pit of hell to take them along the journey with them. Just know this, the closer you get to the fire, the more encounters you're going to have with the devil. The more encounters you're going to have with the enemy. I said this last Sunday to somebody, I'm going to say it right here because it fits. This lady walked up to the preacher and she said, Pastor. Now when somebody walks up to me and go, Pastor, you know it's fixing to be good. She said, Pastor. I seldom have all the problems with the devil like you talk about. He said, yes, ma'am, I understand. And two cars traveling in the same direction seldom hit head on either. Can I just tell you that God didn't save any of us to sit idly by on a church pew or in a church chair and just ride our way into heaven. But everybody that God has called, He has put us in the army of God to wreak havoc on the kingdom of darkness and to do everything within our power to bring everybody to Jesus that we possibly can. It's going to take us getting face to face with the devil to accomplish this task. 
you. Verse 3 again. I can preach in verse 3 all day. When Paul gathered a bundle of sticks and laid them on the fire, a viper came out because of the heat and fastened itself on his hand. A viper is a poisonous snake. It came out because of the heat. The heat will always bring out the evil. You better hear what I'm telling you right now. You know, well, how do you know that, preacher? Because conviction sets in. And when the Holy Ghost begins to draw, and God begins to draw by His Spirit, the evil within us begins to get uncomfortable because it can't stay near the fire. But the enemy, the poison, the vipers, always going to be uncomfortable in the fire. My prayer is that the fire of the Holy Ghost burn so hot in this church that it drive out every evil tendency in our life. I read something yesterday. You know, I can't share everything on social media that I read. I might as well as going out on live stream. I'm going to tell you what it said. A pastor in another state shared it and he said, it said, everybody wants a good pastor until he requires them to live like a Christian. My job's not to make everybody happy. I told somebody one time, I'd rather you go to heaven mad at me than to go to hell glad at me. I come to learn this about the Word of God. It's going to make us uncomfortable. We are not to mold the Word to fit our life, but we've got to change some things about us. So what I'm simply telling you is, is that the closer we get to the fire, the more the enemy is going to get uncomfortable. And the fire will always bring out the enemy. This poisonous snake came out because of the heat. He couldn't stand the heat. He had to get out of the kitchen. And the Bible said it fastened on his hand. If you look at that word fastened in the Greek, it literally means to seize. I'm okay. Don't you worry about me. I, I'm, I'm good. I just got so much in my spirit this morning, I got to get it out. Listen. The enemy seeks to attach to our life in order to hinder our progress. Anything not moving becomes stagnant. And if you're not moving in your relationship, you will become stagnant. Paul was being faithful to God. He was being a wonderful servant. But this did not keep him from the trial. Somewhere along the line in church, we got this jacked up idea that the minute I got saved, everything was going to be a bed of roses. I would never have another problem. Even a rose bush has thorns. Listen, I don't know where we got the idea that the minute I give my life to God, everything's going to work out for me and everything's going to be perfect, everything's going to be grand, everything's going to be glorious. That's a lie straight from the pit of hell. If you ever read the account of Jesus' life, everything wasn't grand and glorious for him. I read where they plucked his beard and they spit on him and they mocked him. Hello, somebody. 
man that is born a few a man that is born of woman is a few days full of trouble. I read that in a good book one time. What are you saying? I'm just simply telling you the truth today that when you live for God, everything's not going to be a bed of roses. You will have some good days, but there will also be some bad days. But on those bad days, I've got a brother that says, I'll never leave you, I'll never forsake you, but I'll be with you all the way to the end of the earth. I'm not in this thing by myself. I've got somebody walking with me. My blessed God. There's going to be some times that you're going to find yourself in the fire. In the midst of the heat, in the middle of a trial. Listen. Can I paint you a word picture here? I love a fire pit. I love to stand around the fire. Shipwrecked. That don't sound like grand and glorious. Paul just had a Damascus Road experience. Now all of a sudden he was shipwrecked. Surely God could have protected the ship. He's God after all. Started the fire because it was rainy and it was cold. I agree. I'd have started the fire too. I just told you that Paul probably picked up those bundle of sticks and put them on the fire because he had a servant's heart. The enemy attacked Paul in the very thing he was serving in. Somebody hit the rewind button because you're going to miss it if you don't get it. The very thing he was serving in is where he got attacked. You see, the, the, the mere fact that he was putting the sticks on the fire wasn't just to benefit him. It was to benefit everybody there. It was to help everybody there. I could just see it now. You know what we'd done? We'd gathered up some sticks. We'd put it on the fire. Viper would have bit us. I ain't doing that again if that's the way it's going to be. Hello, somebody. Sometimes the very place of service is where the enemy is going to attack us. The viper didn't just nibble on Paul. It fastened or latched or seized his hand. Watch this. It's interesting to me how the viper fastened itself on Paul's hand. Don't miss this. Listen, when you read the Word of God, I promise you nothing is in here by accident. Everything that's in there is in there on purpose. Do you know why it fastened itself to his hand? Because the hand represents the work. We use our hands to accomplish the work. We use our hands to accomplish the task. It's the part of the body that does the work. It attacked the work. What does that mean? The enemy is going to try to attack the work of God, the place of service, the place where you are. Listen, I asked the Lord, I said, why are you having me preach this right now? He said, we're going into the Christmas season. He said, there's some things that have happened in 2022 that there's some people need to leave some stuff behind. Hello, somebody. You, 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 you're going to need to distance yourself from some things that happened this year. Everybody that's in your circle is not in your circle. To be in your circle. Some people are in your circle because they're trying to hinder your progress. The enemy latched itself on to Paul's hand. It's the part that represents the work. The enemy will attempt to attach 
things and attached to us to the point that it will prevent us from being able to do the work of the Lord or the work of service. Here's what the enemy of our soul does. He inflicts us and attaches to us with guilt, shame, fear, in an effort to hinder our progress and to slow us down. You have no business doing that. Don't you feel guilty about what you did? What do you think? What makes you think you're worthy to serve? Hello, am I talking to anybody in this house today? Am I the only person who ever dealt with this kind of stuff? You're not adequate. Hello, somebody. You don't have the right credentials. I had a man look at me one time. You're about to learn something about me you probably didn't know, and really none of your business. If I don't want to share, I don't have to. But I'm transparent. It fits to go right here, but I'm just going to tell you. I was told one time that credentials was a problem because I had a marriage previous to the, the woman I'm married to now. Thank God for deliverance. You can't pastor a church. You've had a divorce. That's the most ludicrous, asinine thing I've ever heard in my life. Hello, somebody. You want to hold something against somebody when it's under the blood? That's another story for another sermon for another day. Here's my point. I had a man look at me across a desk in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Not a state overseer. It's a pastor on a credentialing board. And he said, we'll give you credentials, but the minute you remarry, they'll be revoked. Really? He'd already made me mad. Because I walked in there with my Bible because I had time to wait and I was going to read my Bible. And he looked at me with this smirky grin on his face. What are you going to do? Preach for us? I said, well, if it needs to be done, I bet I can do it. I looked at him and this is exactly what I said to him when he said, the minute you get married, they'll be revoked. I said, brother, let me tell you something. Ain't a man on this planet called me I've been called by God. And I don't need a piece of paper with a man's signature on it authorizing me to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. And if that's the way you feel about it, keep your credentials and I'll just preach without them. Because I didn't get called by some man. I got called by God. You say, well, that was rude and that was... That was, that was he shouldn't have been acting the way he was acting. Hello, somebody. Pompous jerk. I'm just playing. But the reality of it is we allow ourselves to be put in a box. We allow that viper to latch a hold of us because we're not educated enough or we're not credentialed or we're not this. We're not worthy. You're useless. You don't, you don't have, you don't have a, you're not as good as the next person across the aisle. Listen to me. If God has anointed you and called you, he will equip you to do the work. That's the bottom line. But that's what the enemy does. He tries to cripple us. He seeks to attach feelings of worthlessness to us in an effort to, to shut us up and to keep us from sharing Christ with others. Many things cause us to become ineffective. Many things will try to attach itself to us. Being in the realm of the wrong people will do it. 
What? No, this ain't going to be popular. But what you listen to on TV can cause things to be attached to you. Oh, I come to preach this morning. I come to shepherd. Is that all right? The music that goes into your ears will attach some things to you. The things you look at on the internet will cause things to be attached to you. Hear me today. There is good news. There is a way out. Stop looking at it. Stop listening to it. Now listen, I'm probably just as straightforward and no nonsense as they come. But I had a man tell me one time, he said, Pastor, I want you to help me pray that God will deliver me from smoking. I said, I got an easy solution for that. He said, really? I said, yeah, don't buy no more. You can't smoke them. I mean, that's just the way I look at it. I don't understand because I've not been there. So maybe that was a little insensitive. So I told him to do something a little more spiritual. I said, wherever you go to smoke a cigarette, take your Bible out there and read it in that place instead of smoking a cigarette. Replace that with the Word. Guess what happened? The Lord delivered him. But there are things that we allow in that, 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 that bring us great harm. There's activities that we engage in that can cause us to become attached to things that God never intended for us to be attached to. Like a poisonous snake, he will attempt to convince us that certain things that we're attached to, here, here comes that word that you heard a few weeks ago, they become like a weight, a sense of guilt, shame, and even certain feelings, which are nothing more than emotions. He attempts to convince us that we are failures and God could never love us. He attempts to convince us that we are failures and God could never use us. Some of the greatest ministry moments have come out of personal experiences. Listen to what I'm telling you. Some of the greatest ministry moments have come out of personal experience. Because I've been there, I can better understand some things. i got to hurry. Acts 28 verse 4, watch this. When the natives saw the creature hanging from his hand, they began saying to one another, Undoubtedly this man is a murderer, for though he has been saved from the sea, justice has not allowed him to live. Now if you look at that word justice right there, and you look at it in the Greek, you'll find out that it's literally referring to the goddess justice. People will form opinions about us based upon what has attached itself to us. Listen. They begin to say, without a doubt, this man is a murderer. Most of them had just met him. They wasn't present on the Damascus Road. They wasn't present. 
present with a great white soul, and he fell to the ground, and he became blind. They wasn't present when Ananias laid hands on him, and God restored his sight, and he was filled with the Holy Ghost. They wasn't present. But perhaps they had heard about Saul. Perhaps they had heard how Saul had persecuted the Christians and the church. And perhaps the man that stood before them looked like Saul. But they didn't understand that there had been a new name written down in glory. And it's mine. Oh yes, it's mine. Because the man you see before you may look like the old man, but there's been a divine encounter with a holy God. And while the outside may look the same, the insides had a total renovation. But what they did was, is they said without a doubt, he's a murderer. Yes, Saul had been, past tense, a murderer. He was even agreement, as I mentioned earlier, with the stoning death of Stephen. However, this is before he had a Damascus Road conversion. Some people will look at us and they'll say, I remembered you when you were strung out on drugs and dope, alcohol, whatever you did in your previous days before salvation. You may look like the same person on the outside, but what they can't see is that there's been a renovation on the inside. You see, the Bible even teaches us that we have to be careful because it's man that looks on the outward appearance, but it's God that looks at the heart. The man you see before you, he may look a lot the same, but understand this, that there has been a plunge beneath a crimson flow of blood. There's been some sins that have been washed away. There's been a new name written in the Lamb's Book of Life. I've changed my allegiance. I'm no longer aligned with the devil. I am now aligned with the creator of this universe. He's my father. He's my king. He's the one I'm devoted to. I may look the same on the outside, but something has changed on the inside. Not only had he come to the saving grace of the knowledge, but he was filled with the Holy Ghost according to Acts 9, 17. This happens to us today. Regardless of the transformation we've gone through, the moment something attaches itself to us, those around us recognize us, and they immediately want to refer back to our previous life. I knew you wasn't saved. I knew that trip down to the church and the altar didn't do much for you. Am I preaching to anybody other than me today? Anybody ever heard that kind of stuff? Listen, the devil is a liar. And the father of all lies. You know he's lying when you see his lips moving. The reality of it is this is called discouragement. It's what the enemy wants to do. He wants to attach discouragement to us. May I help you to understand that in this life we'll never achieve perfection. Quit striving for that. We will never achieve the approval of humanity. Quit striving for that. We should not be striving for any approval of another man. Nor should we concern ourselves with that mentality. Let people think what they want to think. There is only one that we have to be found acceptable in their sight, and his name is Jehovah God. I've heard it said that preachers live in a glass house. Well, if I do, and you're looking through my window, 
you might see something that just makes you frown. Let me come look through your window. Why are you saying that, preacher? Because we're all humanity. We're all going to make mistakes. But the reality of it is simply this. I have an audience of one. I don't have to explain myself to you. Just know that if I'm right in the Lord's eyes, that's all that matters. Yet justice is not allowed to live. The natives were convinced that justice had finally caught up with this prisoner. Justice is actually the reference to a Greek goddess of justice. The natives, knowing Paul is a prisoner, assume he has committed a great crime. Listen, and the goddess of justice will not permit Paul to escape unpunished. Look at verse 5. However, some, some of you just need a good however in your life. He shook the creature off into the fire. And suffered no harm. Just shake it off. Let me tell you like we used to say in Louisiana. Louisiana. Not Louisiana. Louisiana. Let it roll off of you like water off a duck's back. Never seen that happen because it don't stay there. People are going to talk. People are going to say things. Let it go. Let it go. Where's Elsa? Let it go. I got girls. I've been indoctrinated. I would be Olaf, for those of you that know. Let it go. Quit hanging on to what they said. My God, I'm fixing to preach right here. Quit hanging on to what they said. Let it go. You're not good enough. Maybe not for you, but I am for God. Ha. You don't have the right credentials. Maybe not for you, but I do for God. You're worthless. Maybe for you, but not for God. He thinks I'm priceless. He gave his best gift, Jesus, to die for me. I may not look like much in your eye, but let me tell you, in the eye of my Father, I'm the apple of his eye. I've been created in his image and his likeness. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Get thee behind me, devil. Hello, somebody. Let me get out of here. Shake it off. Paul didn't let what the natives or the foreigners were saying bother him. I'm sure he could hear them, but he refused to listen to them. He didn't scream, why God, I can't take any more of this. Can't you see I'm serving you? He didn't look at those sitting by the fire and say, you lazy bums. If you would have gathered the wood instead of me, this wouldn't have happened to me. He didn't say that. Paul's reaction seems to be nonchalant. I can see it now. I have a vivid imagination if you haven't figured that out. You put the sticks on the fire. The snake latches onto his hand. Paul goes, really? Get on. Now what he did? Is that what your Bible said he did? Get on. That's what we do with our hand when we shoot. Get on. Some of you need to shoot the devil. Get on, devil. Come on, somebody. Get on. 
No. What we want to do is we want to take what was said, we want to take the attachment, and we want to embrace it. We want to nurse it, rehearse it until it curses us. Tweet that. We want to nurse it, rehearse it, what they said, over and over and over and over until it curses us. It's what we do. Shake it off. My God, shake it off. Watch this. Before you shake it off, you've got to identify what's attached to you. Paul knew what it was. It was a viper. What is the enemy trying to attach to you? Identify it. Shake it off. Identify it. Shake it off. Worthlessness. Be gone. Not good enough. Be gone. Not, not the right credentials. Be gone. Hello, somebody. Not measuring up somebody else's sight. Be gone. Shake it off. Don't let it mold you into who you are. You have been created in the image of the likeness of a holy God. Paul wasn't concerned with what had attached itself to him. He did not let it affect who he had become. Nor did he let it affect his assignment. He was headed to Rome. He was headed to Rome. Shake off the guilt. Shake off the shame. Shake off the feeling of worthlessness. The enemy will attach, try to attach everything he can to you. Shake it off. Shake off the chains of bitterness. Shake off unforgiveness. Shake off fear. Shake off whatever he's trying to cripple you with. It has no place in our life. Jesus did not die so we could continue to live under the condemnation of the enemy. Paul said, there is now therefore no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Quit letting what everybody else is saying attach itself to you. We used to say this as kids. But it serves a spiritual purpose. You know, kids can be ruthless sometimes with what they say. We would go around as kids and sticks and stones may break my bones, but words can never harm me. That's a lie. I said, that's a lie. The other one we would say is, I'm rubber, you're glue. Everything you say bounces off me and sticks on you. Am I, anybody ever heard that before? Somebody please raise your Hallelujah. I'm going to go preach to this side over here. They've heard that before. But that's the way we need to be. When the enemy brings it, just let it bounce off of us. Shake it off. Don't let it attach itself to you. My Lord God, he's trying to hinder you. He's trying to stop you. There is now therefore no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. I'm almost done. Listen. Let the people say what they will. Shake it off. Refuse to listen to the lies of the enemy. Shake it off. While it may contain poison. Listen, look at this. The viper came out of the fire and it attached itself to Paul's hand. The Bible is very plain. It was a poisonous snake. Amen? That's a safe place to say amen because I said what was in the Bible. It was a poisonous snake full of venom. Watch this. While it may contain poison, the poison does not have to penetrate your heart. 
That's a Holy Ghost point. That's not a Nathan Bounds point. I'm not that good to write something like that. The viper attached itself to Paul's hand. I don't know if he shot any venom in his hand. The Bible didn't say it did. But normally that's what snakes do when they bite. But the venom didn't penetrate his heart, brother. They expected him to swell up and die. The enemy is inflicting you with things full of deadly poison and he wants it to penetrate your heart in hopes that you'll swell up and die. Shake it off. Let it go. Don't sit there and dwell on it. My God. Shake it off in the face of the enemy. Shake it off in the face of the ones that would seek to recall your prior life prior to conversion. That's not who you are anymore. Shake it off, my Lord. Look at verse 6. They were expecting that he was about to swell up and suddenly fall down dead. I'm almost done. I know it's 12.02 if you're taking medicine. But after they waited a long time and had seen nothing unusual happen to him, they changed their minds. I wish somebody would run for me. Oh, let me just preach it like I feel it. Look here. They were expecting, there's some folks in your life expecting you to react and respond a certain way. They were expecting that he was about to swell up. They want to see you get swole because of what they said. They want to see you try to get revenge. I don't have to get revenge. You need to understand one thing. When you've been bought by the blood of Jesus Christ and your name is written in the Lamb's book of life, when somebody opens their mouth against you, they're not opening their mouth against you. They are opening their mouth against God of heaven. The anointing and the blood that's been applied to your life, that's what they're laying their tongue to. My Bible says, I don't know what your Bible says, but my Bible says, vengeance is mine, saith the Lord, I will repay. They were expecting a certain reaction. They wanted to see him swell up and suddenly fall down dead. There are some people in your life expecting you to do that. But after they had waited a long time, Well, the viper bit him. Yeah, he shook it off, but the venom's there. So that, that, that almost solidifies the idea that the venom was there. You see it? And they're waiting. All eyes are on Paul. Paul, how are you going to react? Are you going to stomp, fuss, and cuss because the serpent bit you? Are you going to get mad and put the fire out? Are you going to get angry with everybody because they're mumbling about you? They're watching you. They want to see how you're going to respond. They have already set up an expectation in their mind about you. I'm talking to somebody's personal life right now. They've already put an expectation in their mind about how you're going to respond, and they're expecting you to respond a certain way. And what's going to happen when you don't respond that way is it's going to blow their mind. That's what it says. Man, this is preaching better than it did when I put it in notes. 
suddenly fall down dead. I'm not going down that easy, baby. I've been through so much worse. I've been through so much. I'm not giving up that easy. Hello, somebody. But after they waited a long time and seen nothing unusual happen, he didn't get swole. You know what that means. Somebody says something, you you going to get mad? You don't go tell the Lord you want to tell everybody on my bell. Get out of here. They want to see you get swole. Mad. Nothing unusual happened. Guess what? He didn't have a choice. They didn't have a choice. They changed their minds. They changed their minds. Perhaps he's not a murderer. Perhaps he didn't just escape the storm so the viper could kill him. Perhaps something significant is about him and this is not going to harm him at all. We already knew it wasn't. The Bible said he didn't suffer no harm. They changed their mind about him and began to say that he was a god. Now, that's a god and a little g. But here's what happens today when you don't get swole over those kind of things. And they expect you to fall down dead and expect you to act a certain way. They're going to change their mind about you and say you must be of God. You must be a child of God because you didn't react the way I thought you was going to react. Oh my Lord, help me Jesus. Somebody's going to change their mind about you. Because you didn't act a certain way or react a certain way. Somebody's going to change your mind because you made up your mind. The poison's not going to penetrate your heart. You might get bit, but it don't have to kill you. They might say it, but you don't have to hold on to it. You don't have to nurse it. You don't have to rehearse it until it curses you. My Lord God. Don't allow the expectation of others to cause you to swell up or kill you. I'm done. 